Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome back to 1140 The Bet's NBA Playoff Preview. Adrian Hernandez here, and I figured since, in my humble opinion, the Western Conference runs through Phoenix, and to be honest, I'm leaning towards them being my favorite to win it all this year, that we get an inside look. So thankfully on the line, we have Gerald Boyer, lead Suns writer for Phoenix Sports, and that's phnxsports.com, and also the co-host of Phoenix Suns Podcast. Gerald, first off, thank you for making time for us here in Las Vegas. And I don't want to be confrontational. We just met, and we're starting this interview. And to be honest, I kind of want to be swayed because I'm not on the Devin Booker for MVP train, although I'm well aware <laughs> that he's been playing amazing. And obviously, like I just said, I think he's on the best team. And this goes against my whole philosophy on who should be the MVP, and I feel bad about it. So, first off, what's your take on him being MVP? And if you do agree that he should, can you sway me, please, sir? Look, I don't – if I had a vote, Devin Booker would not be number one on my MVP ballot. You just look at the things that Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo are doing – like. Those guys are pretty much the consensus top three in that race, and I totally get it. I think our thing down in Phoenix is that him not even being mentioned in the in the conversation is kind of disrespectful. When you look at the number of players throughout NBA history that have put up, you know, a twenty-seven five-five stat line on a team that's won about eighty percent of its games, you know, most of the time that guy wins MVP, if not all of the time. Um, so I, I don't think he's MVP. I, I think you look at what the Suns did, especially early in the year when they had both their guards available, you could make the case that Chris Paul was more important early on. I think as time went on, Book became this team's best piece, and, and I honestly think the Suns' success and their depth goes against them a little bit in this regard um, just because a lot of people look at Phoenix and they're like, oh, they're a machine. They have you know guys 1 through 10 are all really good. So they, it's hard to make a case for MVP compared to like Jokic, who's putting up historic numbers on a team that's missing two of its best three players. Look at Giannis, who is just doing Giannis things again. Joel Embiid, same deal. But when you look at how far ahead Phoenix is in the standings, the best player on the best team is still a convincing MVP argument. And for him to not be a consensus, you know, top four, top five candidate is pretty ridiculous because early in his career. He was pegged as an empty calories guy. He was pegged as a guy yeah. who put up, you know, like big numbers on losing teams, and that was the biggest knock. Oh, he doesn't play defense. Oh, he doesn't make his teammates better. Oh, he doesn't help his teams win. Now they're winning at a you know franchise record breaking pace, 
and he's still not getting the love. I think that's the biggest issue for us down here in Phoenix. And one of the things you, you said right off the bat was that term disrespect. And to be honest, this year in the NBA, it's been weird because not only, you know, Phoenix predominantly being the number one seed throughout the season, uh, on the flip side in the Eastern Conference, Miami, and it seems like the only discussion nationally that we have is like, wow, why don't we talk about them? And then they don't actually talk about them. They just talk about why they aren't being discussed. And I'm just wondering, um, and, and I do see, like, on Twitter, it seems like Suns fans, they're embracing it and they're loving the success. But in terms of the team themselves, like, is it business as usual? Or is this something that's kind of fueling them? That like, yo, eventually, y'all going to have to talk about us when we're one of the few teams playing in June. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that fuels them and to a certain extent it fuels the fan base too. I, I think, you know, every team in this position that wants to win a title will find a way to adopt that us against the world mentality. But in Phoenix's case, you know, it is strange because this is a big city here, but it's never seen as like a major market, right? Like it's it's not LA. Yeah, population-wise, it's, 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 it's top 15 yeah, in the country. <laughs> Right. It's it's not seen as, as one of those central hubs that gets all the national media coverage. Like the Lakers have been a disaster this year, and they get probably 10 times the media coverage that a team like the Suns get. And that kind of bleeds into the MVP thing, too, because, you know, I mean, you can't tell me that if Steph Curry was putting up a 27-5-5 stat line for a 63-win Warriors team, that we wouldn't be talking about him as an MVP candidate right now. Like, there's just no way. So I think this team sees that they, they kind of see that like people give the Suns their respect every now and then but they're really not the, the central story of the league that they should be they're just kind of seen like oh yeah Suns are kind of automatic and, and just dismissed in that way um, so I think they use that as fuel you know they, they talk about how people don't talk about Mikhail Bridges for defensive player of the year the guys talk about how Monty was snubbed for coach of the year last year and how he should be kind of the, the front runner for that award again this year. Um, I think any time that they have any bit of bulletin board material with someone not giving their full respect, uh, they're going to take that personally and they're going to take it out on whichever team is in their path. And earlier this week, uh, it was kind of like, it's close to amazing for a team that hasn't won an NBA championship. When you talk about the Suns being able to destroy the Lakers again, <laughs> end their season, have it be at home, and kind of like that fairy tale story of like, yo, Devin, uh, you brought up Bridges and DeAndre, like they were a part of a 63 loss team. And so for them to be able to be a part of the turnaround and experience with that same franchise, a 63 win team, which the franchise in general, which has been super successful, has never been able to do that. Um, that's an amazing story. And I'm just wondering as the buzzard went off and, and LA's out of here, um, could you sense like a sense of pride in some of the dudes that were there when at media day there was only 15 local dudes and not an NBA or national person in sight? Yeah, I, I definitely could. And it's been a long, I would say it's been a long journey because, you know, for the decade after Steve Nash left, this team was miserable outside of one year. And even that year stung because they won 48 games in that 2013-14 season and still missed the playoffs. I think that's, tied for the second highest win total to miss the playoffs in NBA history. But it was a decade without the playoffs here, and a lot of it was miserable. You know, a lot of unhappy players here, a lot of head coach turnover, um, you know, guys in and out, guys leaving Phoenix and saying bad things about the organization after they left. 
and a lot of losing, especially um, you know in Devin Booker's early years and, and that 63 loss season that you were talking about. That was Da and Mikhail's first season here, and then fast forward four years and they're the best team in the NBA with 63 wins. Um, it's actually the fourth, or I'm sorry, the third fastest turnaround from NBA's worst to best in league history, and the only two teams that did it faster were, you know, back in the 50s, 60s, 70s. So yeah, back in the day-day. Yeah, this type of thing just doesn't happen very often, and it, it's just been a remarkable stretch. You can't say enough about the job Monty Williams and James Jones have done to help establish the culture about what Devin Booker means to this franchise for sticking it out and being here to help guide them through what is the best stretch of Suns basketball in a very prestigious franchise's history. Um, Chris Paul, how he's come and helped change the culture, Jay Crowder, and just the growth of Bridges, Cam Johnson, DA. Like It's really just all come together, starting with that bubble run that they made and that win over the Lakers, a team that won the title just two years ago, was kind of emblematic of how far this group has come and how special it would be if they were able to get the job done this year. It's a random question that, as you were talking, popped in my head. And I didn't expect to ask. But when it comes to Devin Booker, do you think at any point uh, during the struggles that he was honestly looking to leave? I don't know that he was looking to leave. I, I think it was definitely something that if it continued down that road, I mean, we've seen so many disgruntled stars leave in the last few years alone. And if the Suns hadn't turned it around, I I think he would strongly be considering it. But at the same time, he did sign that that Supermax, or not that Supermax, but that max contract extension that he was eligible for with his rookie extension just a couple years ago. I know that he has always wanted to win in Phoenix. He said it many times, like, I want to build something here. I think he looks around at at guys like Kobe with the Lakers, Dirk with the Mavs, Tim Duncan with the Spurs. I think he wants to be that for the Suns. Because you look at the greatest players in this franchise's history, neither one of them spent their, you know, all of their time here. Like Charles Barkley came over. He only spent three or four seasons here. Steve Nash spent a long time here, but he, you know, spent a good chunk of his prime with the Mavs as well. So it's one of those things where he could be that guy for the Suns. I think that's really important to him. And I think especially now that they have this established culture, that they have Monty, that they have this incredible team around him, like it it couldn't be further from his mind. And and it's a credit to him for continually working on his game, on, on the things that the critics said he needed to get better at over these last couple of years when there really wasn't a lot to be happy about in the Valley. No, 100%. And kind of bringing things back to the journey that this season has been, uh, I'm curious where there, you know, some some doubt crept up when Chris Paul uh, had that thumb fracture. And I think I believe he was out for 15 games, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the success didn't stop with him being out. Um, So kind of weird question because he got hurt. But in terms of the players and the rotation and, and other people having to step up to give you that production that they missed out with CP3 being out, who benefited the most uh, from that experience and having to, you know, be a part of that without Chris at the helm? Yeah, I, I think I would probably split it between campaign and DA. Obviously campaign was the guy who got most of the starts with Chris Paul out. Um, and to that point in the season, you know, before the all-star break campaign was having a pretty rough go of it. You know, he, he was coming off a career year the season before and kind of took a lot of people by surprise this year. 
you know, you're not going to be able to do that. You're going to be on opposing team scouting reports this time around. And I think he struggled adjusting to that a little bit. His shooting numbers were down. But being able to kind of work through some of that in the starting lineup with Chris Paul out really helped him find his stride. Um, he was a great playmaker. He had a bunch of double-doubles during that stretch. And then for DeAndre Ayton, you know, before the All-Star break, I think Chris Paul had assisted on about 45% of his made baskets. So that's taking away a huge part of his success on the offensive end. But D.A. didn't miss a beat. He had a first rough game out of the stretch without Chris Paul, and then he just got back to doing the things he's been doing all season and expanding on it because he was knocking down a bunch of mid-range jumpers. His jump hook was just automatic and became an actual weapon for the Suns' offense to give them another dimension to it. And, you know, he, he was just great. And, and a lot of people didn't expect that without the guy who sets him up a lot of the time on the floor. So those two guys really kind of uh, took a step forward when Chris Paul was out. And I, I think it's going to be a blessing in disguise looking back on the season at how many guys just had to kind of go outside their comfort zones a little bit, and that'll help them down the stretch in the playoffs when – you know, defenses are going to be keying in on Chris Paul and Devin Booker most of the time. No, 100%. I mean, you can even point at last night where, what was it, four starters were out for the Suns. Uh, at one point mm-hmm. in the game, the Clippers were up by 29 points. Uh, and you have dudes like Ish Wainwright uh, step up. And I know Cam Johnson was injured, and he's been a little shaky uh, since returning from that injury. But for you, you know, who's going to be that role player that you think will step up? Because obviously when you make a run, there's going to be that game where you're going to need that 20-point game from someone off the bench. Uh, so who do you think uh, will step up throughout this postseason run for the Suns? Yeah, I, I still think it'll be Cam Johnson. Obviously, he's um, he has not shot the ball well since he's come back, I think, three games ago from the, uh, the quad contusion. But that thing kept him out for about a month, and he literally couldn't walk like correctly for about two weeks of that stretch. So as soon as he was able to start running again and, and getting – back into shape he came back uh, but that's a tough thing to come back from a leg injury so he's kind of getting his conditioning back getting his rhythm back and I think that's what we've seen these first couple games uh, but before that you know he was coming off the game of his career against the New York Knicks when he scored a career high hit that game winning three off the backboard uh, he was just playing the best basketball he's ever played and this season has been great for him he started off a little rough and then has just been you know throwing fireballs ever since so it's one of those things where I think when he gets enough games under his belt, gets his win back a little bit, he's going to be that guy who can come in off the bench and just really bother teams. Because like I said, they're going to be keying in on the Suns' stars in the backcourt. But with D.A. expanding his game the way that he has, Mikael Bridges being able to get to his mid-range whenever he wants, and now Cam Johnson spreading the floor, attacking off the dribble, like you're going to have to pick your poison against this team. <laughs> I think Cam's the guy that can really make you pay for it. No, 100%. Uh, trying to do research and, and watching the games and being like, what the hell's the flaw? And, you know, <laughs> last year in the postseason, obviously when Dario went down, uh, Dario Saric, that kind of shifted the dynamics, uh, especially versus Milwaukee. Uh, now, mm-hmm. Biombo's been playing well. Uh, JaVel McGee seems like a new person. He's been playing great. So, I guess we're going to have to nitpick, uh, Gerald, but if there is a flaw on this team... Uh, what is it to you? Yeah, I think there are a couple that stand out. And, you know, you would think that this wouldn't be as big an issue with JaVale and Bismack on the roster now. But offensive rebounding, the Suns 
occasionally, especially against bigger lineups, still tend to give up offensive board. And you kind of expect some of that with, you know, Jay Crowder being their starting four. He's a little undersized as more of a wing guy. Um, but they do tend to give up offensive rebounds, and that can hurt them from time to time. The other thing is uh, their free throw discrepancy is usually pretty glaring. The Suns do not get to the line very often. And, you know, the whistle they've been getting lately, especially since the All-Star break, has not been friendly to them. So they've been putting teams on the foul line a lot. And those are things that can really hamper the pace of a game. This team likes to play with pace. They like to play up tempo. And when they're getting stops and getting out in transition, you're not going to beat them. But if you can slow the game down, turn it into a foul fest, get to the line a lot, and, and really outperform them in that category, if you're able to knock down threes as well, that really puts the Suns in a little bit of a bind. And granted, we're talking about a team that still won you know, 63 out of its 80 games or whatever it is. So you're going to have a hard time beating this team no matter what because they can just win in so many ways. Uh, but those are two of the biggest flaws that could come to the forefront if if they find themselves in a in a tougher series than they expect. Gerald Borier joins us from Phoenix Sports. He's the lead Suns writer, and that's phoenixsports.com. Uh, and my final question, and thank you so much again, Gerald, for the time. Um, what team possesses the biggest matchup problem? And I think we're going to have you back for our NBA Finals preview, so... I want to keep this question to the Western Conference. And, and as I'm looking at sure. things, I, to, to me, it's possibly the Warriors because if they get to that point and face uh, the Suns in the Western Conference Finals, Steph Curry is going to be back. Uh, but to you, who's the team that poses the biggest matchup problem? Yeah, I would say either the Warriors or a fully healthy Clippers. And granted, that fully healthy Clippers thing is a big if because you know Kawhi Leonard has not – we have no news that he's going to return for the playoffs. I think there was a video that surfaced of him, um, you know, saying hello to people at practice, and one of his legs was sizably bigger than the other one. So we have no idea how far he is from returning. But with all the wings that they have, um, that's a team that can give anybody some problems, especially, you know, Ty Lu has done a phenomenal job coaching them. And then the Warriors are my number one, just because there's there are too many question marks with that Clippers team's health. Um, the Warriors are a tough matchup, fully healthy. Um, you know, Clay hasn't quite looked like himself consistently. Draymond's been out here and there, and Steph Curry is obviously coming back, you know, right at the playoffs. So that'll make things difficult for them. But if they can find their groove, you know, when they were fully healthy, they were the Suns' number one threat. And it seemed like those were the consensus two top teams in the league. So if they can get back to that, that makes them tough. I don't know if they will. Um, but they do present some matchup problems for the Suns. Absolutely. And, Gerald, we want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Gerald Boyer, and you can uh, follow him on Twitter. That's Gerald, B-O-U-R-G-U-E-T, on Twitter and phoenixsports.com. You can follow them, too. That's phnxsports.com. Gerald, thank you so much for the time, uh, the insight. And I have a feeling... And, you know, just a couple of weeks, early June, we might need you back on the show to talk about these rings that the Suns have never gotten. Uh, it seems like they might be celebrating in Phoenix, Gerald. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd be happy to knock on wood. We get another deep playoff run to cover out here. Listen, I'm from Cleveland, and, I, and now I feel rude for doing that. I feel like I jinxed it. Trust me, if there's anybody who understands, like, <laughs> you don't have the ring until they give it to you. But... Best of luck, uh, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Gerald.
Absolutely. Thank you. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.